0: This is Tinker, and on the other end with me, I have the master of Darknet Diaries himself, Jack Resider. How's it going, Jack?
1: Hey, Tinker, it's really excited to be here. Uh, I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, of course, of course. I, you know, you were definitely uh, one of those people that, uh, uh, whenever I started thinking of people to ask, as well as uh, other people that were suggesting, "Hey, go talk to these people," uh, your, your name came up uh, from multiple directions, and, mate. Nice, yeah. Um, you've
1: been you've been landing some pretty good guests lately. I'm I'm jealous of how you're getting everyone, but good job.
0: <laughs> well, thanks. Um, so uh, yeah, just, uh, just to uh, you know, land this, uh, just to land this, just uh, to land this first and foremost, we're recording this well ahead of time, whatever it drops. So I, I may actually have a uh, uh predict the future question for you and we can see how it ends up playing out
1: okay so if the date today is february 8th 2020. let's see uh let's see what happens in the future here i'll, I'll be talking to my future self and we'll see how it goes
0: yeah we'll see how that goes so let, let, let's uh go ahead and start at a, a place i'd start with most everybody um you know everybody that listens to you uh especially uh specific episodes where you talk about it uh on darknet diaries knows that you're not just a good storyteller and interested in security you're actually in the field um so what what was it that got you in tech in the first place
1: in the tech i think it must have been when i first got on aol because when that happened i was addicted to computers ever since then like for the rest of my life And I had, like, an Apple IIe before that, which did not have the Internet, and that was just kind of okay, you know? So it wasn't, like, my first taste of computers. But when I got online and I got to see chat rooms and websites and mail, it was just incredible. And I never stopped getting into computers ever since. It was just like, what else can I learn? Where can I learn this? And I got and that just sprung all sorts of extra things. And so, you know, when it came time for college, I was like, I better do something you know, I'm good at this. I better do something with this. So then I went to university and got a degree in computer science and then eventually a uh, a, a job doing network security. So like routers, switches, firewalls, SIMs, logs, and that kind of thing were my, were my sweet spot. And I kind of got burnt out and I wanted to do something different. So I started podcasting and here I am making Dark Knight Diaries. I never thought this would be my career now, but it
0: is. Wow, I, I, I didn't realize that you've uh you know, that, that you turned it into a, a career. Um, but hey, that's good. You're you're skilled. I I uh, am somebody that enjoys uh, whenever a good story is told. And, uh, by far, uh, you're by far one of my uh, one of my favorite ones to listen to for storytelling. Oh, thank you. So. Um, so uh, what probably was uh, has been your most favorite uh, rig that you've used so far?
1: My favorite what?
0: Your favorite rig, your favorite PC. Oh,
1: um, just all the way up, so up until now. Oh, well, I'll I'll give you two, right? So, like, in the early days, like the first few years of having computers, I really liked the, the Frankenstein computer I was making at the Goodwill stores and just getting, like – Free bsd to run on it and I was really trying to hone it to make it run more you know um, efficient so I was recompiling kernels and re- redoing the drivers and turning off a lot of the bloatware or just tools that didn't need to be there and just getting it to run better and better and that was a lot of fun to run to see what what crappy uh, you know hardware could run Unix at the time and uh, so that was just I was just such a fun time to play with computer science especially like being just cheap stuff from the Goodwill store, I could try destroying it and see how bad I could I wreck it before it actually stops working. And so I was doing a lot of uh, trials and error kind of things, you know, like just can I do RM, you know, uh, splash and dash RF, right? So just delete everything and see if it works. And if, if you know, it doesn't matter because I could just re put everything back on. It. And I was just doing all this stuff back in the day. So that was just so much fun playing with those junky old PCs. And then, um, and then recently, I really like um, Max because it does have that command line, uh, that Linux shell underneath it. And so, I, you know, growing up with, with getting better and better at uni- using Linux and Unix, today I just can't get away from it. And PowerShell isn't the same. So just having like a nice Linux shell to always be there, and it's always there, um, boy, does that just always, I mean, I just feel like it's a, it's a third arm to me is to have that shell available
0: to me. Yeah, I, I I don't know uh, I don't know many people uh, around my age or or younger that um, that that you find saying that much. You know, a, a majority of people ended up growing up using some kind of a Windows computer first. That are any younger than me, um, you know. I, my, my experiences were that uh, I I actually got a hold of a computer first before I had windows so it was MS DOS. You know, I I ended yeah. I, I ended up liking it, liking that and liking doing the command line, especially uh especially uh, the school I was at that year the teacher said, Hey, you need a, everybody needs to bring a book to read whenever they finish their work class. So I took the doc the doc manual and read it cover to cover. You know, so I, I, I was pretty I was pretty good with it after that. Um, but then whenever, whenever Windows started becoming a thing, I just, I fell out of practice, but, uh, you know, getting in, they get, getting into the industry professionally, um, I got exposed to Linux at that point, And that's whenever I realized, oh yeah, I still like command lines.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a fun time seeing all this stuff just come out of nowhere, like windows and GUIs and it was great.
0: Yep. Um. Okay, so uh, so uh, I, I know you were saying that uh, you were you ran into a little bit of burnout and everything, and uh, and that's kind of whenever you ended up uh, starting Dark Diaries. But uh, what was what was the specific driver there? What, what what got you interested in that being your path you took once you started burning out?
1: Oh man, there's like a million things, right? So. I've always wanted to do something online, entrepreneurial, work for myself kind of thing. And I watched the 90s bubble, you know, dot-com bubble come and go and I didn't make something. Like, what was wrong with me? And I watched Bitcoin come and go and I didn't become like a billionaire. What's wrong with me? Like, how am I missing out on all these things? So it's always been like this dream of mine to like make something. So I just keep, I just made like a ton of things. I made blog after blog and I made some apps and and it always was like 90% and I never quite finished it and I just kept making things and making things. So it was really just, I, I was constantly doing something on my, on my free time and extra time. So there's always something cooking in, in my world. And, you know, wh- around the time where I was getting burnt out at work, it was the same time where I was like getting into a podcast. And I was like, where is this podcast that just tells hacker stories because it's such high drama. Boy, do we know drama in InfoSec, right? So I'm like, where's the story? Like, I just want one story after another that just talks about hacking, whether it interviews the person who did the hack or somebody who has been hacked and they didn't exist. I could not find them at the time. I just searched and searched and could not find a podcast like that. And so I, um, I didn't think I could ever make it, but I had been listening to a lot of podcasts like this American life The radio lab and um, this kind of stuff. So I was like, well, I, I am a person that kind of knows what it sounds like when it's a really good podcast, when I'm glued. And so I kind of took that knowledge of what sounds good. And then I started, you know, Googling around and getting some books and sticking my head into how to make a good storytelling narrative podcast. And eventually I gave it a shot after like nine months of thinking about it and looking into it. I gave it a shot and, uh, yeah i just think a ton of things just like it's time to make something and let's just do another project it's just one project after another and this one finally stuck so i'm like yay finally uh people like something that, that i did and i've got a lot of listeners hundred thousand listeners at the time of recording here so it's just blown up in a way that i never expected and just going great
0: wow yeah it a, it, i hear that i'm like oh i've got a long way to go uh, <laughs> The, uh, the platform I'm on says that I've got maybe about a hundred listeners at this point,
1: yeah, but I've only been doing a couple of months. So. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's hard to make a popular show. Right? It, things just don't spread virally in podcast world, and it's just like I have to market it like crazy for a long time. And now it's kind of got to the point where it's it's marketing itself. Like the people are sharing it amongst each other and stuff. So it's finally, finally I can let go of that gas pedal and kind
0: of coast. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, well, uh, in, in talking about podcasts specifically, I do remember uh, listening to the episode where you're talking about how uh, how uh, the podcast rankings ended up. The, how you said to uh, hack those and uh, yeah, you know, we get those skewed in your favor. Um, was it, was that just something that you were you were researching for your own purposes at first? Or with without a story idea to specifically to do it for a podcast.
1: Yeah, this I, I think it's episode twenty seven called Chart Breakers, which I find out somebody's rigging the Apple Apple Podcast charts, right? There's people up there that shouldn't be there and I, get, I dig into how and why. And um yeah, I mean I, I'm I once I started a podcast, I got deep into podcasting where I read every scrap of news in the industry and every and like listen to like five podcasts about podcasts so when things started like showing up in my feed that didn't look right and people not uh people saying hey wait a minute these podcasts look like they're cheating somehow you know the the hacker in me is like how are they cheating what's what is what's the trick they're doing so you know and then and then you know being a being a network security engineer i'm like there's a there's a little man inside of me that says something's not right with this podcast. Now I think I've found a podcast that just is thick in it. And, and, you know, if I can spot it, what are those signs? And can I use those signs to spot others? So it just kind of led me down a path of one person saying something, another person saying something, me saying, can I find them too? And sure enough, I did and uh, ended up calling like a bunch of these people who are hacking the charts, which is really fascinating to hear their voice and how they describe how they do it and stuff, and it turns out to be a pretty interesting episode.
0: Oh, it definitely was. I, I, I was I was stuck to it. Um, okay, let's uh, let, let's uh, dive uh, do a random dive away here. Um, one of the uh, suggested questions that I was given uh, was that uh, somebody said I needed to ask you what toppings absolutely do not belong on a hot dog. Well, let's let's take the
1: inverse of that, okay? What things do I put on a hot dog that probably don't aren't supposed to be on a hot dog? <laughs> because one thing I like to put on hot dogs is mashed potatoes and ketchup.
0: Really? Which is,
1: yeah, it's it's really odd. But um, I think it was a trip to Sweden that I tried that and I liked it, and so I brought that whole idea home. But uh, yeah, I, I'll put everything on a hot dog. You name it, man. Onions, pickles, mustard, all the works. Um, yeah, just throw it all up on there. I'll eat it.
0: Now, I, I've always held that hot dogs, tacos, hamburgers, and pizza are the four great food groups because they can be anything that you want them to be. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's, that's interesting. Mashed potatoes on a hot dog. Yeah, mashed nice potatoes. Try I, it out. I, I'm gonna, I'm going to be curious enough to actually try it at some point. I'll,
1: I'll you got to put it. ketchup on it too, right? So the mashed potatoes and ketchup alone is an interesting combo because a lot of people put gravy or something on their mashed potatoes. So just try, just try step one: put some ketchup on your mashed potatoes, and then if that works out, try putting ketchup mashed potatoes on a hot dog, and there you have it. And I think that, I think that's a cultural food from. From like the Go-, Go Gothenburg, Sweden, Malmo, Sweden, the kind of southern part of Sweden. I think they 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 do that a lot, and that's where I picked it up from.
0: I'll have to uh, try that and report back. If that if if that maybe I will have had it tried by the time this thing is dropped, and uh, and I'll uh, I'll add a little update at the end. Uh, All right. Okay. Yeah, I totally did not expect that answer going that direction. <laughs> um, <laughs> Okay, so uh, another uh, question that was uh, suggested was: uh, it, Have you received any hate mail or threats as a result of any of the information that you've revealed on darknet sites?
1: No, I haven't. And you know, sometimes I I have somebody admit something that might have been an illegal act, right? So I'm always prepared for that as well. And I haven't had the police contact me to say, "Hey, get us more information about this." guest you had and I haven't had anybody who I'm exposing email me and say uh, you gotta stop exposing us you know I know I've talked about Israel and, and Saudi Arabia and I've got some episodes coming out for North Korea and Russia but what I do, what I do get is hate mail from listeners who think like specifically Russia is what first comes to mind that I blamed Russia for some hack which, by the way, like every Five Eyes country in the in you know all the Five Eyes countries also blamed Russia for the same hack. This was the Not NotPetya one, and there's tons of documentation and proof that shows that it is Russia, and that there's still people emailing me saying, "You have no proof that it was Russia. Stop putting Russia as the blame of this stuff." And it's fine because like the other sixty episodes I make, nobody's telling me like, "Oh, you have no proof that it was Saudi Arabia. You have no proof that it was it was Israel, right?" So it's only Russia seems to be the problem. If I ever point a finger at Russia, I will get some some hate mail about people not liking it when I blame Russia for anything. And it's just like almost a little bit sensitive, a little bit too sensitive. And uh, I, so, yeah, whenever I talk about that, I've kind of learned that I've got to be extra careful to research and fact check and make sure that everything is done. Because if I make one mistake about talking about Russia, then that will be that will nullify everything I talk about on the show, right? So I've just got to be very careful. And then, and then the more I, you know, information and facts I can give that are, you know, undisputable, then the better it is for them to kind of understand. Maybe it was Russia, you know. So it's it's harder for them to argue points if I can get it like really nailed down
0: tight. Okay, okay, that's uh, it's interesting. That so many people would come to the defense of Russia of all places. Well, that's
1: the current political climate
0: right now. It's very, true. very true. Very um, true. You know, speaking of hot topics and political, he, he, here's a uh, predict the future question for you.
1: All right. Here we go, Swami. Uh,
0: okay. So uh, so a very infamous man in the technology sector by the name of John McAfee. Has touted uh-huh. and touted and touted that he is running for president, and he he seems to uh, he seems to be on this path of uh, you know I'm I'm going to do what really needs to be done. I'm going to expose this and that. I start. Okay, yeah, political rhetoric. I get it. How much, if any, of the vote do you think John McAfee would get if he makes it to the general election? Well, i don't
1: i don't like talking about politics too much but this one's easy he's gonna get none <laughs> he's got he's got way too crazy of an attitude to for anyone to really take him seriously and to he's got criminal records and he's like you know very visibly doing drugs on his channels and stuff and it's like dude This, like, none of this is going to fly when it comes to the scrutiny of of the media and the the general people. Like, you've got to have everyone who has, like, no morals, like, people have got to drop all their morals at the door to vote for you. It's just not going to work out. And it's just everything about uh, his platform just seems ugly. (laughs) It doesn't seem straight away. It doesn't seem honest or or good or, or, or Effective, it just is bad. So I don't think he's going to get any of the vote at all. He's not going to in any precincts or caucus. There's no caucus while he's running. But you know what I mean? Like, it's just not going to get anywhere.
0: Well, the the counterpoint I'll throw up, without diving into politics, just just talking previous facts, um, do you remember what the media did with uh, Trump whenever he ran? I mean, yeah, they
1: half of it half of it was against him, and and half of it was like, uh, oh, he's got a chance, and so yeah, that was the thing. Is there's a lot of people who think, oh, this could never happen, and then it happened, and I wonder if those people are still considered experts in the political space, right? Like, because those are those are correspondents and experts. Like, oh, there's political expert, senior senior correspondent, blah blah blah. Yeah, well, I was wrong. Like ten times last year. So am I really a political expert anymore? No, you're not. You gotta get out. Next person's gonna get in. So yeah, there's a lot of mistakes people make in the in the political space, and I don't know, man. I don't know. Okay, okay. I
0: promise I, I, no more no more political questions. That that. Um. Okay. Um, back to uh, back to Darknet Diaries for a moment. Um, I'm curious, what has been your absolute favorite episode so far?
1: I like the Xbox Underground one, and that is everyone's favorite. It's the most downloaded episode, and it's the one that people just rave about the most. But the reason why I like it the most was because I had three of the hackers that committed these crimes, uh, and I interviewed So in the tape, in the in the episode, you hear them just go back and forth between each other, kind almost like finishing each other's sentences and stuff. And typically, I only have like one guest. So to have three of them on in such a high-profile crime, is just was just such a mind boggle to me. And to and I recorded them all separately, and so gluing them all together was uh, was quite a feat. And it was just an enormous amount of work to get all that packaged up and out.
0: Yeah, I, I I can imagine just trying to put that together. Um, I I come from the world of TV previously, and you know I, I I can't imagine doing editing without having any visual frame of reference to be able to 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 be able to check on whenever I'm going through all the source material.
1: Yeah, it was really hard. Um, but you know what, just slowly go through it all and listen to everybody's interview like three or four times and clip it and move it and keep doing it, and eventually it got put together. I had this huge uh, document that I wrote out, like glued like three or four pieces of paper together, and then I wrote like a timeline on there to try to understand what the story was because it's just such a massive story and how personal and intimate everyone shares their stories. It's just an incredible, incredible to hear it all and the fact that I got three of them to say it and not just one really adds to the whole narrative of it all. It's just, it, it, I'm just got a lot of pride for it and that's why it's my favorite. Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. Um, all right. Uh, question number seven. So we talked about hot dogs. So this may, this may or may not be, uh, another interesting twist right here. Um, What is, what what is, uh, actually, no, I'm I'm switching questions up in the middle of my thought. Um, Tacos or burritos, which one's better?
1: Um, Depends on if I'm eating it there or I'm taking it to go. Because a burrito is easy to to go with, right? You can stick it in your hand and go. But if I'm going to sit down and eat it, and if it's fresh, I can have a taco. (laughs) okay okay i don't want a taco that's like 10 minutes old or half an hour old right because then it's just not working out but if it's like it just was quickly made i'll be uh, that'll be my choice and uh if i have to get because if it's going to have to like wait a while i gotta be on the go then i'm gonna take a burrito to go
0: well and 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 too i also know that uh stuff like tacos and berries as to exactly what form it's in depending on where you are in the country um I or I know you're uh, over on the over on the Pacific Coast. Um, is tacos more of like the California style where you are, or what kind?
1: Yeah, I mean we got California style, we got Mexican style, we got Tex-Mex style. I got it all here, so I got my choice, okay. and uh, I like the crunchy tacos. Okay. Well,
0: i part of the reason I was wondering about that is because whenever you're talking about, especially old tacos, even if it's 10 minutes, I'm thinking about, like, uh, fish tacos. I I I think fish tacos don't age very well.
1: Yeah, I bet they don't.
0: (laughs) Okay. Um, So question number eight. Um, Obviously, we've hit a point in the world where it's not a question of if somebody or something is going to get hacked, it's when. So between this day and whenever this drops, this would be roughly a year or so. I haven't set the schedule for next year. But what what a place, what business, what person uh, do you think is going to end up being uh, the victim of the most high-profile hack in the next year.
1: Ooh, interesting question. Oh wow, give me a second here. So, so we've had some pretty big breaches, right? We've had Equifax was monstrous, and we had like Maersk, the world's biggest shipping company, were ground to a halt. And we've had oil companies completely botched. 20% of the world's oil stopped. So it's like these these ones that are so massive, they are too big to fail. Honestly, right? There's just too you can't you can't be breached, and yet they were. Um, they've all fell over. So it's hard for me to think of something like bigger than all that. I think there's something that's going to happen that's probably equal. Um, but then I also think that there's going to be a bigger bank robbery. I think the biggest online hacking bank robbery there has been is like uh 80 million dollars and that was the bangladesh bank and so i think i think that can be beat (laughs) i think that's my prediction is there's going to be a bank robbery that's more than 80 million dollars stolen and uh it's going to be a very sophisticated group of people that does it
0: okay and uh and uh if that does indeed go down, um, what, is, what what a part of the world do you think the victim bank is going to come from?
1: Well, it's not going to be in a in a, it's a. I think it's going to be a developing country, and I think that only because it that country might not secure their bank as well as a developed country. right? So, trying to hack the Federal Reserve Bank of the U.S. that is probably really really hard. Um, so hacking like a Federal Reserve Bank of Nepal is probably a lot easier, you know, and I'm just guessing, but it just seems like their security might not be as tip top as the Federal Reserve Bank in the U.S. So it's going to be some developing country that has a large enough bank account that, um, you know, has funds to steal out of and, and is connected to the other world's banks because you've got to be able to move it electronically um, so yeah, developing country over $81 million. That's my, that's my prediction for the next one year. Okay. Somewhere okay. in there, something in like that is going to happen. It's either going to be a, a very sophisticated cyber criminal team or North Korea. Those are the only two options. <laughs> okay.
0: Okay. Well, I, I look forward to seeing how that pans out. Um, okay. So question number nine, um, have n't haven't hit any of the uh, the uh, pop culture questions yet that I use sometimes that are disguised as nerd questions. So we'll do one of those. Are you a Star Trek person or a Star Wars person? Star Wars, just hands down.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. I uh, I I think the Star Wars story is funner than the Star Trek one. I don't know. There's Star Trek just never connected with me and I'm not a big sci-fi fan. I'm not I'm not into that kind of thing so much. So it's it's interesting. I, I can only name like uh you know 10 sci-fi things that I've actually consumed and enjoyed and would recommend or anything, right? I just I'm not a big fan of it because the world of sci-fi is like Anything could happen next, and I can never predict it. I don't know that that was possible in your world, that you could do that. Like, like I watch um, Doctor Who, and any pickle he is, he just waves his, like, little flashlight thing or whatever, and his screwdriver, and now he's out of the pickle. Like, ugh, I didn't know you could do that. I would have been telling you to do that. I would have been screaming at the screen. Oh, do that, like, move you do with your sonic screwdriver that turns, um, you know, this into that. And it would have been done like, no, I didn't know that you could do that. And he gets to like some weird connect the dots kind of logic to make it all make sense. And I'm just like, no, none of that makes sense to me. So I just have a tough time biting down on, on fiction. And that's when I make a show that's totally nonfiction. Like I don't want conspiracy theories. I don't want made up stuff. I want, I want to know all the facts and I'll dig into the court records and any sort of uh, interviews that I can get with the actual people and this kind of thing. To get as close to the truth as possible, because that's that's what I think is most important. Uh, and I mean, truth is truth is stranger than fiction, so I like I like that. But I am a Star Wars fan.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. Um, all right, and that takes us to question number ten, and this is kind of been my standard closing question. I th- I think this is a good one to ask anybody. Um, but what would be both the best and the worst advice you've ever received?
1: Okay, best and worst advice. This would be... Um, man, I, I'm i blanking out here. Um, this is this is give me a tough one at the end here. So you're going to ask me about them and, and what... <laughs> and, Emacs and stuff.
0: Here we go. Tell tell you what, (laughs) we'll go into overtime with the the advice question, and and I'll break out the Holy War question. Okay. Vim, Emacs, or Nano? Oh, man, it's VI
1: all the way. There's no question. And the way I was taught was no matter where you're at, on any Linux or Unix system, VI is there. And not all the other ones are there. Sometimes you have to install them. They're not always there. And now you got to go through that whole thing. And if you're not admin, good luck installing it. So you might as well go with the thing that's always installed on all of them. And for the last, like, 20 years, I've always found BI on every Linux and... and unix system i've ever been on except once just recently in the last year or so did i not have a system with vi and i was like what is this crazy world happening? with this new future i'm in i don't like it <laughs> but uh for a long time it was it was it just came in everything like you couldn't uninstall it it was one of those things i don't know, maybe you could uninstall it but it was one of those things that just existed and um and i like the uh the power of vi to uh I mean, you you learn it when you're young or just learn it at any age, but it, once you get into it, it's got a lot of powerful tools. Nano doesn't have the powerful tools to skip ahead 10 lines or, or go to the bottom of the document. It just has, like, eight, like, things that you can possibly do. Go to the end of the line, save. <laughs> like, there's just, it's such a bland, boring editor. Now, Emacs is out of the world crazy with it, but you have – you just too many options i don't know maybe i maybe i didn't get into it myself but uh vi is just super powerful wonderful and uh it's my favorite and then i also use sublime text a lot too okay and i'm um, probably equal vi and sublime text i don't like to stick with one thing i like to bounce around um and use different operating systems different browsers different editors i don't i don't like to stick with just one
0: Okay, um, that, that that makes me think of another one I've, that I've got to absolutely ask. Mm-hmm. What's your take on Richard Stallman?
1: I haven't looked into it enough,
0: and this is this is the thing
1: that I try to do in my show. Right? Is I say, let's look into this a lot. Let's get all the way down to the bottom of this so that I can have a firm understanding and an agreement on it. And I haven't looked into Richard Stallman enough. It sounds like there's some recent allegations about him doing something nasty. And I'm just kind of letting it you know settle down, and then I'll look into it because some stuff gets flown around that may or may not be true at the at the beginning, and then you know as time goes on, things actually pan out to be whatever so uh if if those allegations are true, then oh yeah he's uh he's not doing so good, but if uh yeah, I don't know maybe maybe there's no other side to it, maybe that's just all there is to it, but I haven't looked into it enough to know um what all of what's going on there
0: okay well let, let, let's even reach back to the very first piece of controversy with him though that that, that sh- surely you'd have an opinion on is it linux or is it gnu linux
1: <laughs> i i i would say linux <laughs> i don't i don't see i mean i guess it technically is gnu linux but it's uh, it's always been linux i I don't know any other way.
0: Okay, okay. All right. Now, now, now back to the hard question.
1: Um, best, best and worst best advice.
0: Best and worst advice you've ever received. Okay.
1: okay. Um,
0: you know, one that just always
1: stuck with me as a network troubleshooter, right, is to be the packet. And this was like, what does this mean? This is, well, every every step along the way of a network, Uh, the the devices have to make a decision on what to do with this packet. And so if you can put yourself in the shoes of the packet and you go to this router and then you go to that firewall and then you go to that switch, what is that switch going to do with this packet? So if you are the packet, then you have to understand, okay, I've arrived here. Now what is the switch going to do with me? And that that really helped me troubleshoot a lot of things by not looking at it at a big level, but like getting down in there and seeing what is that next hop going to say and do... And uh, I think that would be, I mean, going on the spot here, I'm going to go with that. Be the packet was really good advice I got at the beginning. And the worst advice is, um, it, it all depends on the context, right? But I guess it would be the worst advice I gave myself, which would be, I didn't have a backup plan. And I thought I could, I was just too good to need a backup plan. There was no I didn't see a scenario in my head that I didn't need a backup plan. So I was constantly trying to do things without a backup plan in my as a network engineer and getting myself into trouble so many times for this, taking a network down to do upgrades, planned up maintenance, and then I couldn't get it back up. And now I don't have a backup plan to roll back to where I was before all this maintenance or to get out of this muck. And I was just in a bad situation. So The idea that I thought, at least to myself, was uh, I could do this without a backup plan was a terrible advice I gave myself.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've done that a few times. That's that's, uh, painful whenever you don't have one and you need one.
1: Yeah, even if your backup
0: plan is, uh, I'm going to call this person, let them know
1: you're my backup plan, and then you can at least have that conversation before before you do it, because you want to hash it out, right? And so eventually I figured out I could call Cisco and I could get them on the phone, you know, to help me out in situations like this. But, you know, for a while I didn't even know that that was like an option. So that's, that's my uh, worst advice was to myself.
0: All right. Well, we have uh, hit the end of 10 questions plus a little bit of overtime. Uh, obviously, we want to uh, uh, plug Darknet Diaries. Uh, if, you, if you're if you listening to this and you haven't listened to Darknet Diaries, you are missing out by far. Um, so go take a listen. Anything else you want to plug or anything else you want to add before we're done?
1: No, that sounds good. You can find me on Twitter, too. My name is Jack Reesider on Twitter, and that's where I'm most active. I'm on all the places, but Twitter is my favorite.